Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am honored to be here with you today. We've been talking about the great mystery. We've been talking about how we can come close to understanding it, but as we get closer and closer to that understanding, more and more questions arise, and we approach it, but never quite wrap our brains around it. Lao Tzu said that the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao, so we're in a sense trying to speak the Tao. But the questions that come up and the answers to the questions that lead to more questions are stepping stones to a deeper understanding, to a greater awareness. And today we're looking at the question, what is thinking? And until I thought about thinking, I thought I knew what it was. It was an easy question to answer. So I invite you right now, just for a moment, maybe become still and notice how you answer this question. What is thinking? And there are many, many, many answers that are absolutely correct. It used to be, when I was growing up, that thinking was just all of the thoughts that I sometimes noticed going around in my head. The inner conversations I was having, the stories I was telling, maybe the math problem I was trying to figure out. That was thinking, and that was it. And then I got to college... And I went to a Jesuit university, and the Jesuits think that you need to know an awful lot of philosophy and an awful lot of theology to get a bachelor's degree in biology. So there I was sitting in a large auditorium because it was a freshman class, I think, and we were beginning with the question, what is, actually the way it was phrased then was, what is called thinking? And I had my quick and easy answer. And then we began discussing and reading about something called pre-reflective thought. And my mind started whirling. And what that was, was a discussion of thinking before you're consciously, deliberately thinking. And the example that was given is most of us, when we approach a tree, in whatever language we talk to ourselves in our minds, we think tree. Whether we're aware of thinking tree or not, but we're thinking something like tree, or maybe oak tree, or pepper tree, or 
but the concept, the idea, the rationale of tree comes up and we expect to see a tree trunk, branches, leaves, or if it's the winter in a place where there is a real winter, then the branches might be bare, and that is a tree. And what was being pointed out in those discussions is that once we do that, we've put that tree in a box, in a category, and there are things that we will never know about the tree because we've dismissed the opportunity to know the tree more deeply by putting it in a box as such, into a mental box. So pre-reflective thinking would be, let's say I was walking down the street and I saw before me this majestic being, object, maybe not even add any words or any names to it, but I see something that is unnamed, but this presence before me, and I could in that moment come to know this presence in a new and different way. I could feel it. I could take in the visual effect it created. I could smell it, maybe feel the energy that was emanating. I could notice my reaction to it. Maybe it's beautiful or intriguing. And as I was experiencing this presence in this new way, that is a way of thinking that skips over or happens before the rational thought or before the reflections I would have about this tree from past experience. Maybe a comparison would be when I first went scuba diving. There were things that I saw that I had no names for, no categories for. And so I could meet them brand new as a presence that I encountered. And that was a pre-reflective way of knowing. The reason I'm sharing that with you is when I sat in that classroom taking in these ideas, my, my world was turned upside down, literally. I remember those moments in that class so clearly because it messed up every idea I had about thinking and what thinking was and who I was. I mean, who was I if I could over and over and over again miss the essence of something by all my thoughts about it? And it just, I, you know, I was 16 when I started college, and that was, that was really difficult for a 16-year-old to wrap around, and it still is today. But what I discovered is I had so, so many methods or ways or pathways to this thing called thinking. And that there was so much that I had to learn about myself, about who I was, about what we were as a human race, if I could just come to know more deeply what this thing called thinking is.
And I've been working on it on and off throughout my life. I come back to this question because it had such a huge impact on me. And then I got into a stage of my life where I found a spiritual path. And in this spiritual path, thinking was highlighted as part of my spiritual practice. In our scriptures, in the Christian and Hebrew scriptures, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So this thing called thinking is what creates us. According to that scripture, it's as... The thoughts I hold in my heart make me who I am. That's big and that's powerful and that's reason to pay attention to what is it that we mean by thinking. If, if thinking has such a powerful creative energy, it might be worth talking about. And then Christian Bible in the letters to the Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Paul wrote let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think again same idea the way we think the way I think can make me a new person can transform who I am And it's not just Christian or Judeo-Christian teachings that tell us this. The Buddha in the Dhammapada is quoted as saying, We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. Same message. Everything that we are comes from our thinking, from our thoughts, right? And the Buddha went on to say, with our thoughts, we make the world. I don't know about you, but that's mind-boggling to me that my thoughts, my thinking, creates who I am. It can transform me and make me a new person. And that everything I am arises from my thinking. And my thinking... Or my thinking as part of a global thinking creates our world. In the Buddhist tradition, there is a teaching of an eightfold path. It's practical teachings on how to live a spiritual life. The very first of the eightfold paths is right view, seeing things right. The second is right thinking. And the teaching is that these two teachings, these two guidelines, impact each other. The way we see things, the right view impacts the way we think about things. And the way we think impacts our ability to see things right. So not only does thinking create who we are, 
But it guides us on our spiritual path. It guides us in our own growth, in our own unfolding. And then our own Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, wrote that the thinking faculty, the thinking faculty is your creative center. In and through this one power, you establish your consciousness and you build your world. So whatever this thinking is, it's pretty powerful. I mean, that seems to be the consistent teaching. And what Charles Fillmore said is that our thinking establishes our consciousness. Consciousness is another one of those words, like if I asked 10 people what consciousness was, I'd probably get 10 different answers, including a few I don't knows. But we know what it consciousness is. We know it intuitively. If we see a movie or some TV show and someone's laying on the ground unconscious, we know what that means. That that is a state of consciousness in which they seem to be not aware of anything. Or there's no outward evidence of awareness. And in that state of being unconscious, you know, there are internal things happening that are likely needing some attention. We know or we have heard of superconsciousness, which is those moments when our consciousness raises up higher and we, we touch or we feel a spiritual truth. And then there was a psychiatrist named Freud who made the unconscious powerful. And that's a level or a state of our consciousness where the information is there, but not always available to us. But consciousness overall is that ability to be aware, that ability to know that you exist, that ability to know that you are one with God, that you are an expression of the divine, that ability to know and be aware that you're a spiritual being having a human experience, all of that is part of what consciousness means. And so Charles Fillmore said that we establish our consciousness. In other words, we're not limited to the level of consciousness we happen to find ourselves in. We can raise our consciousness, and our thinking allows us to raise our consciousness. In unity, we have a practice called denials and affirmations. And we use denials when we feel like we're being held down by circumstances. We um, use denials when circumstances feel overwhelming. And the denial is saying there's something greater than these circumstances. God is greater. There is something in me that is greater than these circumstances. And so by doing that, that begins to lift our awareness. It lifts our consciousness. And then we follow that in unity practice with an affirmation 
Um, I am a, an expression of the perfect life of God. My body is healing. I am healthy, whole, and complete. So those affirmations combined with that denial lifts our consciousness out of a consciousness of fear and limitation to a consciousness of possibilities. So what Charles Fillmore is saying is the way we make that shift in our consciousness is through our thinking. So having said all that, what is thinking? I, I did what I do often is I went to Google my personal expert to see what Google had to say. And there were a lot of things, and most of them didn't feel useful, but there was this that I found. And it said that thinking is the internal mental processes that make sense out of our experience. I like that, because that's the stuff we do in our minds all the time to make sense of what's going on. And we can do it on the level of the problem and the challenges, or we can lift our consciousness and approach the same situation from a spiritual perspective, through spiritual eyes, and make sense of our experience in a completely different way. So what's coming out about thinking is there's choices that we can make on how to think or what perspective, what view in the Buddhist teaching, what is our right view in this situation and out of which way of seeing things do I want to think? How do I want my thoughts to evolve and where do I want my thoughts to take me? The other thing that came up is, in my psychology training, we were taught that thinking is just the layman's word, the easy word for cognitive processes. So cognitive processes are the things, the faculties of the mind, the functioning of the mind, if you will. The word cognitive comes from the Latin, which means to know. Cognitive processes are the ways in which we can know. And once we get into the psychological approach of what is thinking, and it's true actually for any approach, but it's psychology that emphasizes it, we get into thinking or cognitive processes include things like attention, where we place our attention impacts how we see things and impacts how we think, the, the thoughts that come up. Um, perception, again, right view. Our reasoning, the logical steps we take in understanding things, our cognitive processes. Our judgments. Our judgments are often cognitive processes that lower our consciousness. Understanding is a way of thinking or cognitive processes, imagination, memory. And psychology has shown that when we imagine something and we do it well, 
what happens within our body is the same as if we were actually experiencing it. There was an American senator who was a prisoner of war. He had played golf before he went into the service. And he used to compete playing golf. And while he was a prisoner of war, every single day, mentally, he imagined playing a round of golf, different courses. And he would imagine in great deal, and after years of being a prisoner of war, he was released and his golf game had improved simply through the power of imagination. The same with memory. When we remember something and we remember vividly, it can impact us in the same way that the actual experience has. This happens with people who are traumatized. They will have a vivid memory come up and the trauma is experienced again as if it's happening in the moment. The creative power of each of these processes is just amazing. Others are our belief, our faith, contemplations, reflections, pre-reflective thought. I talked about that in the beginning. That's where we ignore the labels and categories and just experience something directly. Our intuition, our appreciation. And the list could go on and on and on and on. So when we say what is thinking, it includes so many things. And when we say, or when the spiritual teachers say it is with our thoughts, or it is through thinking that we create both ourselves, our experience, our world, it's not just the stories that we tell ourselves that they mean, it's all of these different ways of thinking, when we engage the power of each of these, the creative power we wield is amazing, is absolutely amazing. There is a philosopher, an American 20th century philosopher, J. Glenn Gray, actually Jesse Glenn Gray, who said, thinking is a response on our part to a call which issues from being itself, and being with a capital B. So he was a philosopher, not trying to be a theologian, but being itself could be a name that we use for God, the source of all things, being which is not limited to one form. So this philosopher said that thinking is actually our response to a call from being itself, which means that our thinking, whatever it might be, is a meeting place between our sense of who we are and that which we call God. It is with our thoughts that we create a bridge to the presence of God. Especially when we consider that thinking is not limited to the mind. We think with our hearts, with our bodies, with our beings. 
But when we engage in this process, we are meeting God. And we might be meeting God with an open heart, an open mind, an intention to be all we can be, an intention to know God. Or we can be meeting this call from being this call from God with our frustrations, our angers, our judgments, our fears, our worries. There is a choice with thinking. There is always a choice. There might be a knee-jerk thought, but ultimately we can choose to keep that knee-jerk way of thinking or we can meet God with our highest and best thinking. Charles Fillmore said, be no longer a slave to the thinking faculty. Command it to be still and know. So he's saying the same thing, that we can be imprisoned by our thoughts. And I know that every single person listening has had an experience of being imprisoned by his or her own thoughts. Because when that happens, when those thoughts take over and it feels like there's no way out, it's painful. But we don't have to be imprisoned by our thoughts. We don't need to be slaves to that thinking that brings us down. We can choose to be still and know. Know that God is wherever we are. That that power of God moves through us and opens us to infinite possibilities. Charles Fillmore went on to say, Stand at the center of your being and say, I and the Father are one. And so it is. And there is so much more about thinking. We'll touch on it a little bit at a time. But may you be blessed. And amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.